This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome hello. to Everyone Dies, the podcast. Hello. I'm Marianne Matzo. Hello. Uh, and I'm Charlie Navarrete. So I hope you're all drinking or something. It's a quarter and to three. No. Oh, you can keep talking. I'm, I'll provide the background music. Oh, all right. It's I'm sorry. I, I didn't see that on my script. And we have a script. I um, hope you have something good yep. to eat. And today, so I'm so glad you spend up, the Joe. next hour <laughs> with us. Charlie's going to do a segment about everything's funny as long as it happens to someone else. Huh? I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. support groups. Oh. And in our third half, we have an interview with Odra Pratt, who's president of the Hope Support Group in Oklahoma City. So, Charlie, you usually give us a recipe, but when I was interviewing Odra, Mm -hmm. she had a death by chocolate recipe for us. So, I'm just going to let her explain. You take a box of ice cream sandwiches, open half of them, put them in a a pan, put a half a a tub of Cool Whip on it, slather with caramel sauce and chocolate sauce, put the rest of the... Um, ice cream sandwiches on top of that. Do the same with the rest of the Cool Whip. Slather chocolate on top, you know, drizzle. Put it in the freezer, get ready. When you're ready to eat it, just cut up pieces and serve it. So, Charlie, what'd you think about that? I... Yeah, I'm ready to eat this. I mean, this thing just sounds, I was trying to come up with something bright and witty. Screw that. Yeah, I mean, ice cream sandwiches, please. Are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, Hot fudge and, you know, and caramel. I it's, mean. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the thing cool of it. Cool Whip. And the thing of it, you know, I like Cool Whip, but on something like this, because it tastes more natural. I mean, you know, like like when we were when we were kids. I mean, they use you know real ingredients, fresh ingredients, as opposed to now when so many people use you know artificial ingredients. It was just so flavorful. So I, no, I don't think Cool Whip would be necessary on this. I think it would take away from it. It is just oh, no. It's brother. in the recipe, though. Well, it says no, it's but whipped but it's no, but no, but no, 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 but it was whipped, it was cool whipped topping. No, I see. No, with something like that, I'd say no. You, you need to make your own whipped topping. Nothing, nothing out of a can or a container. But that's me. You know what, though, I don't. I don't know if regular, and I'm sure our listeners will tell us. I don't know if regular whipped cream, if you whipped it mm-hmm. and put it in this, and then put it in the freezer, if it would survive. I think it might need chemicals in order <laughs> to survive the freezer. I see. <laughs> I mean, it's just my theory. I haven't proven it yet, but, you know. Okay, well, then it's it's time to experiment with food. Okay. (laughs) But, um, yeah, listen, folks, it's it's, it's hot now. We're, uh, this is now July um, when we're recording this. So, um, and you know what, really, why limit yourself to the hot weather? You know, if you do this in the in the winter, you don't have to worry about it melting. All that being said, uh, as always, please go to everyonedies.org. Every, the number one, dies.org. And send us your recipes. Uh, so, And, uh, you know, not only recipes, but if you have any questions, jokes, 
anything you want to tell us. You can email us at everyonedies.org. Also, Facebook. Join our Facebook group, Everyone Dies. And please remember to rate and review this podcast. Review us gently. Um, Molly, our <laughs> Twitter wench, is hoping you contribute to her happiness by following us on Twitter and reposting her tweets. So we have a segment called Everything's Funny as Long as It Happens to Somebody Else. And um, well, with, with that can in be mind, true about death, too. That's true. And with that in <laughs> mind, you know, I went to Marianne. I went to the doctor for my annual physical. He gave me a box of pills. Oh, yeah? yeah. Told me I'd have to take one a day for the rest of my life. There were only four pills. <laughs> All men are cremated equal. That's true, though. That is true. It is true. But, you know, I mean, I, I told my grandmother that, that, that she looked good. Open casket good. Oh, God, please send us your jokes. A woman, um, a woman tells her friend, you look lovely, Helen. I'm so sorry I couldn't attend your funeral last year. Oh, my God. So on to our next section. So I thought today that we would talk about support groups, and um, I do the uh, Facebook stuff for our podcast, and there's a lot of support groups on Facebook. And um, I know when, before I retired, and people would come in and say, well, on Facebook, I was told this, and I would say, please stay off of Facebook. And the reason I would always say that is because you never really know what you're getting. You might be getting absolute solid facts like, what you would be getting from me if I were to respond to one of your questions, or you might be getting, um, you know, otter urine will cure any kind of cancer you have. So, so with, okay, that, you know, that, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, you, you obviously, you know, you know what you're talking about. You've been doing this for 40 years, 45 years, 40, a long ass time. The, um, Generally, because we've also talked about scams here. Yeah. You know what? Just like, you know, I've said before with the scams, if you if you see it, please don't respond to it right away. Look it up. If you're on a computer, you see mm -hmm. something, some good, too good to be true, look it up. Same thing if you hear, read something at some, some miracle cure or something that sounds reasonable, please look it up. Don't don't put yourself or your finances, your health in in jeopardy. L look it up, you know. Go, you know, look it up online. Find a couple of independent sources to verify it. Thank you very much, Marianne. You were saying. <laughs> so you know, people who support groups are good because. They're people who have been through whatever diagnosis that you might have had. You, you might have, and um, caregiver support groups are good because the people are caregiving for people who have a diagnosis of something that you're caregiving somebody for. God, I don't know if that made any sense, but you get my point. So, huh? Though, from from that point of view, that's that's really good. That's important. 
Um, a patient support group, if we're going to define it, is defined as a group of people with common experience and concerns who provide emotional and moral support for one another. So perfect. That would be great. But people are, are people, right? And so they're going to have their own opinions about things, too. And their own experience and their own point of view and their own worldview lens. So, you know, as, if you're on Facebook or places like that, you have to kind of filter it through. Think about it. Does this make sense for me in the situation that I'm in? And, um, you know, be a consumer. Be a good consumer of support groups. Support groups will fulfill many functions. They're going to educate the patient and the family, um, share the illness experience, provide strength to its members, raise public awareness. Some of the groups do fundraising. Um, I see, you know, like, well, I'm going to have my kidney out next week. So how was it for you guys? So people will write in and they'll say, oh, well, I had this, this, and this. And somebody will say, well, I had this, this, and this. And you say, oh, my God, well, so which one is going to be me? Well, you're not going to know until it's you. Because even though we're all human, we have all kinds of different experiences and doctors and situations where things can go incredibly wonderful and none of the problems that everybody's writing to tell you about are going to happen. Or you might have some problems. You don't know until you actually do it, right? Um, there's even been research that has shown improvement in quality of life in patients who have participated in support groups. And I'm going to be interviewing Odra in a little bit, and you hear her experience with um, ovarian cancer support group. So I'm a big fan of support groups. They're, you can say, well, I have my family, I have my friends, they're supporting me. And that's great because you need them. But nobody's going to really know what, when you talk about, you know, your surgery or your radiation or the chemotherapy you're taking, nobody really relates to it the way that somebody who's been through it can relate to it, who can say, yeah, I can remember that happening. Or you can say, I had this, and you don't have to fill in, oh, so what is that? You know, they're, they're pretty... They've, they're pretty good consumers in terms of they've been through it, they've figured it out, they've gotten questions answered. And so a support group is really for people to share personal experiences, feelings, coping strategy, or get firsthand information about diseases and treatments. None of that is meant to take the place of your primary health care provider, your oncologist, or whoever is, is managing your illness. Now, support groups come in lots of different flavors. Um, they can be ones that meet in person. They can meet online. There can be somebody who facilitates the support group. Um, I, I did a, I, back in, God, I don't know how many years ago, I did a, a Alzheimer's support group for family members uh, two times a month. Um, I've been a facilitator um, and the professional person at our cancer centers, ovarian cancer support group for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And so you have people generally who are able to say, well, 
from the physical point of view or um, do that educational thing. So if somebody says this, you can say, I can see where that would be true in your experience, but here's another way to think about it or here's other things that can happen. Um, the support groups are not the same as group therapy sessions. Group therapy is a specific type of mental health treatment that brings together several people with similar conditions, and that's under the guidance of a licensed met mental health provider. Some support groups don't have any licensed, you know, quote-unquote professional people there. Um, so kind of be a good consumer, look to see what does the support group offer? Who's there? But the only way you're going to really know if you're going to resonate with it is to go. You know, you go, have a cup of coffee, participate in the support group, and see how it feels. If it feels like a good fit and that you think that you might get something out of it, keep going back. If you feel, oh, I'm not sure this is right for me, maybe give it a second chance or go find another one. So, you know, with... Yeah, I mean, obviously, a support group, you know, in person is best. What um, have you done any support groups online? Um, I haven't, but with the the coronavirus, a lot has changed. They're um, reimbursing now therapists to do therapy online. Um, there are support groups online via Zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are some people who you know social distance in a park and have their support group. So there's there's lots of ways that people are doing it. Some people are doing, you know, like telephone groups. So um, I retired before um, the coronavirus. So no, I haven't done it that way. But I've seen um, the change in terms of telehealth and um, mental health services and that kind of thing being done online. And actually, I think that that's really pretty good because if you're not feeling well and you don't really want to get dressed and, and go to a support group, it's not that hard to get on Zoom and participate in that way. Right. You, know, you don't have to drive, you know, you don't have to put your wig on or pants on or anything you can just participate that way you know and and also just a little segue because i know um you know when i've dealt with uh, with people who are not all not always comfortable with uh, uh computer uh you know computers and you know how to set up webinars or you know attend webinars um there there are classes available online like at all different levels. Um, here we have, um, I'm, in, I'm in New York City, um, we have uh, what's called Senior Planet. And I think the, it's seniorplanet.org. But it is geared, uh, you know, for, for older people. Uh, and they also offer classes for free. Um, so mm -hmm. you can walk through, you, you, you know, attend one of the classes and then you will be taught how to attend, um, you know, a group meeting, you know, there's classes for other things too, you know, uh, everything, but everything to do with computers. Um, but it's, I've, I've taken a couple, um, which has just helped me then to understand, you know, different, uh, you know, how to use computers in different ways, you know, in a very basic way. Uh, I'm, I know mm -hmm. there are other sites out there too, and I'm sure in Oklahoma there are, um, but yeah, or if you have a grandchild, <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Yes, 
you know no grammy here let me show uh, you how to do that yeah you know like i'll say if i get if i get something that i don't really understand i'll say to one of my girls you know like one of my daughters said you know mommy you should really listen to podcasts this was a few years ago and it's like i don't know anything about that she says give me your phone and she set it up she downloaded it she says just push here it's like cool I'll do it now. Yeah, and you know what? I've had a similar thing happen, and then I always, you know, I say, "Listen, if you do it, I don't learn anything. So, <laughs> so undo it and walk me through it." So I actually have my little fingers on this keyboard, and I'm looking, and I I experience that, so I learn how to do it. <sighs> See, yeah. I've got I've gotten past that, Charlie. I don't care how it's done. Just do it. Nah. Because you know what? Uh-huh. You know what? I won't, re- I won't remember. Like, I'll do it the first, you know, and follow. Okay, good. Ask me in a day. I don't know what the heck I did. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Every day's a new day for me, Charlie. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, need, I, need, I need hands-on. Sometimes I'll take notes. Um, much of the chagrin, I've, much of the chagrin I've of my seen child. You, I, yeah, but <laughs> I've I've seen your notes, Charlie. Yeah. I don't even know how you read that. It's a secret code. Yeah, yeah. called chicken scratch. Thank you. So, the benefits of participating in a sort of a support group can include feeling less lonely, isolated, or judged. Although sometimes you might end up feeling judged, but <clears throat> you know, with any group of people, things happen. Uh, gaining a sense of empowerment and control or hope, improving your coping skills and sense of adjustment, talking openly and honestly about your feelings, reducing distress, depression, anxiety, or fatigue, developing a clearer understanding of what to expect with your situation, getting practical advice or information about treatment and options, and comparing notes about resources such as doctors and alternative options. And I've seen in our support group, you know, people saying, oh, I have Dr. So-and-so. And, you know, and it's like they start dishing on their doctors. And it's like, I'm not listening to this. Because <laughs> 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 I work with these people. Um, so, you know, and some people are not, think of themselves, oh, I'm not a group person. But if you're going through a really hard time with a diagnosis or a loss or being a caregiver, um, you might find that your only way that you're going to really get through it is to have take that opportunity to talk with people. Now, there's always possible risks with anything that we do. There can be disruptive group members or the conversations dominated by griping, people just complaining. Um, maybe a lack of confidentiality if people share your information. I know on Facebook you have to sort of apply to go into a, a group, a private group, and you have to you know, say that you agree to follow the rules. And so if you get a post from somebody, there's no way to forward it or whatever, but that doesn't mean that somebody couldn't take a screenshot of it. And so you've got to hope that people are going to maintain your confidentiality, but you certainly don't have a guarantee of that. No. So there's um, possible emotional entanglement, group tension, interpersonal conflicts. They might give inappropriate or unsound medical advice. And there might be the people who's like, well, my condition's worse than your condition or whatever. 
And you might say to yourself, I don't need that. And you probably don't. So, you know, find a different group if that happens. So questions you might want to ask before you, you join a support group is, is to say, is the group designed for people with specific medical conditions or a certain stage of a disease? Um, does the group meet for a set period of time? Or does it continue indefinitely? Like the ovarian cancer support group that Odra um, is president of, uh, that goes on indefinitely. It's the first Saturday of every month, and it is just the first Saturday of every month, and people come, people go, but it's always there. So when you need it, it's always there. Um, you know, obviously, where does the group meet? How often? Is there a facilitator or a moderator? Has the facilitator gone, undergone training? Um, is there a mental health expert in the group? What are the guidelines for confidentiality? Are there ground rules for participation? What's a typical meeting like? Is it free or are there fees? Um, red flags for you. If somebody tells you there's a promise of a cure for your disease or condition. Mm, there you are. If there's yeah. high fees. Yeah. High fees to attend the group, or if there's pressure to purchase products or services. Um, so how do you get the most out of a support group? When you join it, you're probably going to be nervous about sharing personal information. Um, the structure of our support group was that people would go around the circle and you know introduce their name and just briefly talk about the kind of cancer they had and the treatment that they had. So you'd get a sense of, oh, okay, so that was ovarian, that was um, uterine or, or whatever because it was a gynecological support group. Um, and, you know, then they would read, or actually before that they would read, they had like an opening saying and a closing saying, sort of, a, a, and it's always nice in a support group to have something that opens and something that closes. Um, people would always bring great snacks, mm. and um, so people would have coffee and snacks, and and you know s sit and talk and share. And if a new person came and they weren't ready and didn't want to talk, that was okay. Um, in that group, they allowed husbands or you know partners to come because the entire family is affected by a cancer diagnosis. So it was, um, it was that kind of loose structure, but it was a very welcoming and warm group. Uh, so when you first go, you can benefit from simply listening. Um, over time, you can share your ideas and experiences, and that might help you get more out of the group. You can try it for a few weeks, see if it's a good fit for you. If not, find a different one. It's okay. You know, sometimes you go shopping for a particular item and you have to go to two or three stores before you find what you're looking for. Support groups aren't any different. You know, you might get lucky and hit on it the you know, very first time or you might have to try a few more. It's okay, but don't give up. Um, remember that a support group is not a substitute for medical care. Um, you can tell your, your healthcare practitioner that you're going to a support group. Um, and... Get the, get the most out of it, but really it's, it's a wonderful gift that you can give yourself and it can help you get through the tough times of either a new diagnosis or being a caregiver or even just understanding 
what's going on with your body. And uh, I think that Odra is so wonderfully articulate that I'm going to um, let Odra tell you more about support groups. So this is Odra Pratt. Hello and welcome to Everyone Dies. This is an interview with Odra Pratt, who is a uh, long-term ovarian cancer survivor, 30 plus years, and has been involved in the um, Hope Support Group at the Stevenson Cancer Center for know, a really long time. And um, I thought it would be a interesting opportunity for us to talk about support groups and what are they? Who should be involved? What, what do you get from them? So welcome, Odra. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. So when I say long-term um, cancer survivor, it was 30-some years? 30-some years. I was 42 years old when I was diagnosed, so I'm, and I'm 73, so do the math. So it's been a long time. Yes, thank goodness. So do you have a, a secret to long-term um, survival? Because we know ovarian cancer tends to be diagnosed pretty late, and um, there are lots of clinical trials and drugs that we're learning about, but we haven't found a definitive cure. We found treatment for ovarian cancer. Do you have thoughts within yourself as to how, how you've managed to survive this long? I do, and it has nothing to do with any studies or anything. It has to do with you knowing your body. Um, I knew something was amiss. Um, I didn't know what it was. I had no clue that I had cancer until right before I had the surgery. I had determined I had endometriosis. Well, I didn't. The doctor determined I had endometriosis mm -hmm. and would become very uncomfortable. Well, most women that age go through that. But I had a feel that there was something amiss. And so um, I encouraged that they schedule a complete hysterectomy. And Prior to doing that, with the, you know, the exam, the doctor said to me, uh, we'll just take out this left ovary that's given you your problem and leave the other one. And I said, no, I want both of them out because I don't feel right about them. He said, well, that'll just really cause some issues as far as your aging. And, you know. and I said, that's okay. I don't care. That's what we're going to do. And so I remember the nurse first male nurse I ever had in my life was with me night before surgery. You know, then you had to go in the night before and get ready for the next morning. And he was the neatest kid, had a ponytail and was <laughs> just a doll. And my husband kept looking at him like, you know, well, the last thing before I went to sleep that night, he said, Mrs. Pratt, you're just going to be fine. I know it. And I didn't see him, of course, until I don't even know if it was the next night or after that. But, you know, he was he was apologizing for them finding the cancer because the doctor hadn't even expected to. So uh, it was a surprise to everybody. But um, 
you know, sometimes I'm sure you understand this. You shouldn't necessarily know everybody at the hospital because I had a dear friend that was a doctor that was with the family, talked to my girls. I had a dear friend in pathology who was doing my tests. <laughs> and I knew all that was going on prior to the doctor ever coming in to tell me it was malignant, you know. Mm -hmm. So I having I, I, you don't need to hear all that, but having said all that, listen to your body. Be very aware of what your body is saying. If it's anything that is remotely abnormal, no matter how silly you think it is, get it checked out. Because my longevity is because it was diagnosed very early. Mm -hmm. Very early. So... And so back 31 years ago, did, did you go to a support group then? No, I did not. Um, I, didn't, I didn't even think of going to a support group. It wasn't even mentioned to me um, until I moved to Oklahoma. And um, my daughter was in television, had been asked to be an MC at um uh, a function for the support group. And so she said, now, mom, you did have ovarian cancer, correct? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, now, would you, would you go with me? And it kind of, she, you know, I kind of told her a little of my history and I went with her, stood way in the back of the room, but listened to her as she talked about her mother that had survived ovarian cancer. And she felt very strongly in helping others. And I met the president and some of the dear ladies and um, signed up to join this group mm -hmm. uh, that's at Stevenson Cancer Center. And that was in probably 2009. So all those years later, why start a support group participation then? Um, there were several reasons. Um, I was very squeamish about doing it when I was first diagnosed because um, I didn't feel I needed it. I had a good support group at church and with family. Um, and um, then you might call it a bit of survivor's guilt. Um, I hadn't yet to do anything to give back for. Mm -hmm being prepared, so to speak. And um, I found maybe that I could help with this group. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it, it was kind of a, a way of saying, thank you, God, for giving me the opportunity to help someone because otherwise, you know, I'd be gone. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that was another reason, you know, besides I just felt I didn't want to and I was arrogant and um, thought I could handle everything by myself. So did, I did didn't. You, did you find in going to the support group after all those years after treatment that there were still issues or there were issues that you hadn't really dealt with? back at the time? No, 
that that can happen and it does to several people i'm sure but um i was <laughs> does this go out just to women <laughs> <laughs> well no <laughs> no i um, i found that during my cancer and right after i went through a multiple of things i went through i woke up going through the change with hot flashes nor uh, no hormone replacement because it was an estrogen fed cancer so i was going through the change i was dealing with chemo um, side effects and my children had all left for college and I was not a very nice person for quite a while. And I lashed out a lot to everybody. I don't know that a support group would have let me stay. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband even says, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. And I knew what I was doing, but I couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. And that's just part. So um, what was the question? Um, when, when, <laughs> when you went, when you went back in 2009, did you find that there were things that you hadn't dealt with? I had, yeah, I had, with my lashing out with all that other garbage, um, I had kind of cleared the air with all my issues <laughs> and <laughs> everybody left me. No, um, <laughs> My parents made the mistake. I'm an only child, and my parents made the mistake of moving away right after my cancer was finished. Oh. And, uh, you know, they say you usually, usually lash out at the person closest to you, which is your husband. Um, it was my parents that I lashed out to. And um, I was not a very nice person. And for about five years, we would we were estranged. Wow. And and it was me. It wasn't them. But I was the only child, and they were terrified they were going to lose me. And they never said that to me, but they couldn't handle watching me go through it, so they left. Wow. And I got angry. I was very angry at them. And so all my frustrations I I had taken care of <laughs> prior to going in 2009, which, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have. They would have kept it bottled up, and that would have been an issue they'd had to deal with. Right. But I did. So how was that first support group meeting for you? Because I find oh. that, that it's hard for people to go to the first one. It was. It was even even that long after my cancer. It was very difficult. Uh, that's when I first met you. You were sitting next to a lady, Kate, um, and um, comforting her. Basically, you were taking care of her, and I I observed. I observed everybody in the room and watched them and listened to to their conversations and. Um, their their questions and their uh, concerns about treatment and um, I mean and it was so interesting because um, everybody was so cheerful and and sharing and and it was fun to just sit there and listen and watch and 
and see how everybody was acting and reacting with one another. And so when, you know, I've taken care of patients and I've, you know, had the hope support card and say, you know, they meet the first Saturday of every month. Here's where it is. It's right downstairs. And it always feels to me like it's a hard sell. Like, I give out way more cards than what people who go. Um, what would you say to, is there anything to say to encourage people to take advantage of support groups? A lot of times you're handing out a card. Um, somehow we need to hand out those cards and talk to them and tell them, we understand what you're going through. Come join us. We're a great group to be with to help us help everyone get through this. We need you as much as you need us. Mm-hmm. And, um, used to before the HIPAA law, I, I understand we could go into the infusion rooms and talk with people. And that was a, a, a good way to help people determine whether they could, wanted to come to a support group. We can't do that now. Right. So it's just, it's basically just word of mouth. And um, if somebody happens to know someone that's going through a, a, a treatment or if they've gone through it and you can encourage them that way, but um, otherwise it's very hard. It's very hard to get them. Uh, I, I, I don't know the, the answer. Mm. Really. Well, maybe, maybe those listening say, well, Odra seems kind of nice. Maybe there's somebody like that in my community that, you know. Yes. So and what's not? Um, yeah. So what do, you, what do you think is the gift of going to a support group? What What would you tell people they would get out of it besides nice, good treats and snacks? <laughs> snacks and fun. Um, There's a bond um, that is just incredible. Um, There's friendships are just so real and and rare. Um, I always say you have your chicken soup friends. You have your good time friends. It's your chicken soup friends are those who are always going to be there for you no matter what. And that's what a cancer support group is. We're our chicken soup. Uh, support group because you may have issues with with something that's going on on your your body and you're not sure if it's cancer related or if it's something else really going on share that if someone's gone through that before they'll they'll know what you're talking about Um, or they'll they'll guide you to someone who might help you either a medical professional or a psychiatrist or any, you know, any one of those issues can be addressed by somebody, but it's just the neatest bond because we're a private group. There's just a select few. We're, we don't allow just everybody in. <laughs> you just have to have a gynecological cancer, but. <laughs> and then the door is open, but, <laughs> but, you know, that people are a lot of times are most uncomfortable with sharing their lives with others. They're, they're 
they're not willing to be that vulnerable. And so um, I think uh, Tenaciously Teal does an incredible job um, introducing the fact that there are women out there and men that will help you and will be there for you, will be there with you, will walk with you, will be your friends. Um, no matter what, we're always there. And I think she's a good, uh, the group is a good way because they're younger. A lot of them are good and healthy. Um, and they're just vibrant <laughs> and so eager to, to help. So I don't know that I have an answer to tell you the truth. Well, I think a, a support group is really a gift that you can give yourself because when you get a cancer diagnosis, it's a very vulnerable time. and especially a gynecological cancer, it's, you know, we don't usually go around talking about our girl parts and what's going on with them. And um, the support group gives you that opportunity to be with women who have the same kinds of cancer that you do, who've been through the surgery, been through treatment, um, most have the same um, oncologist. And so you can swap stories <laughs> about your oncologist and get uh, sort of that inside scoop. And right. you can't get that with your family and you can't get that with your friends unless they've kind of been through that. And even if they've been through a different kind of cancer, it's still a different kind of experience. It's amazing how, um, it's a bond that you can't even imagine develops among the ladies. We're so close. Uh, we've been known to travel. We took, oh, it was so wonderful. We took some of us, a few of us, took a trip to Hawaii and, and um, met with the cancer support group in Honolulu mm -hmm. for a meal and for sharing. And, um, it's just wonderful to know, no matter where you are in this world, there's a group of women that are struggling just like you are and that, um, that, that are welcoming you with open arms, no matter where you go. And so, you know, we just, we just giggle and laugh and cry. There's lots of tissues that are used and thrown away in our groups. And mm -hmm. there's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful bond you you like you say um it's a gift that you give yourself every single time you go and um that you know just pick up the phone how are you doing and to hear that voice on the other end is just incredible it's just awesome well you've been an incredible leader at the hope um support group and i know how much the ladies appreciate you and i've always appreciated you and as the staff person who went I I am sure I got as much out of it as anybody and I learned so much from you guys and I appreciate you sharing your stories with me and letting letting me be a part of that group and for anybody who has a cancer diagnosis look at your cancer center uh, talk to your oncologist find find a support group and uh, like Odor was saying, if there isn't one, 
find one other person, maybe somebody, you know, your chemo buddy, somebody who has chemo with the kind of cancer that you do and go have coffee or start your start a support group because it is a way to cope through a very difficult time in your life. And on. Mm-hmm. Well, Odra, thank you for all you do. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And I'm glad to see you looking so beautiful and healthy. Thank oh, thank you. you. Just wonderful visiting with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for future episodes of Everyone Dies. Our thanks to our executive producer, retired Major General David, our producer Sandy, John, our technical advisor, Molly, our Twitter correspondent, and our friends, family, and our loyal listeners who are supporting our work at Everyone Dies. This is Charlie Navarrete. And I'm Marianne Matzo. Remember, every day is a gift. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.